No. What's up, right. Dave? Hey! <laughs> we're just, uh, we're answering uh, fan mail right now. Wow. Nice work. You, this is early to already have the fan mail flooding in. Yeah, we told them to send us. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Lowering the Rim. Go to the hole. It's gone. We tell them about man. <laughs> this is Lowering the Rim, a podcast about the NBA from a fan's perspective. We're all brothers. We have Drew, Nick, the twins, Caleb and Keegan, and I'm your host, Ian. Let's get into it. Let's go. Okay, hot topics. Drew, Nick, Keegan. Yes. <laughs> Which hot topic do you want to kick off first? How about Boogie Cousins' uh, mm. season-ending quad injury? Mm. Which one's the quad? <laughs> the thigh. upper thigh? Yeah, upper thigh. Non-contact okay. injury. Just running after a loose ball, falls to the ground. He has this whole... Uh, documentary about his resurgence i think it's called is that what it is drew resurgence <clears throat> that sounds right I'm about coming back from a torn sure. achilles and now he's going to be out they haven't said officially but Dang. it's probably going to Pres- be well into next season you don't just yeah come. precedent said six to eight weeks for that injury yeah um so i mean he's done for this season that's really the only you know that's the thing that matters at this point. So, Keegan, what would you do if your quad tore off? It wouldn't boogie, that's for sure. Uh, man. So, wait, he was just chasing a ball. It wasn't like someone he crashed into someone. There's no one to blame. No. It's just, he was just right. He's a big man, man running full speed. Dang, that sucks. It was on the same and leg that he had his ruptured Achilles. So, you wonder how, like, you know, those kind of injuries end up having a ripple effect. You know, if that's part of what was going on. And he's like Golden State's main center, right? Yeah, although the hot take, Drew, I'd be interested to hear what you think, is that potentially it helps Golden State. Yeah, here's okay, so here's the silver lining that um, I think. Helps them a couple ways. First of all, they have Kevon Looney, which has plenty of playoff experience, and his numbers in the lineup are a positive. They also have Andre Iguodala, which when he's in the lineup, the death lineup, their numbers are basically unbeatable. You can't you can't beat that team. Um, and then plus they have Bogut as a backup if they can just get you know ten maybe fifteen minutes out of him that are serviceable. So they still have the depth. Um, also, when Bogut was on the floor, their numbers aren't as good as when either Kavan or Andre Iguodala are on the floor. So, in a way, it might help them um, because they're putting out more productive lineups now. The other thing is, because he just got injured, and that's his second like major injury, I think it's going to allow the Warriors to re-sign him so they'll get him for another season. Mm. Which what, is... Another season like this one? <laughs> oh! <laughs> you know? Well, well, so he didn't have much of this season, right, because of the Achilles. I mean, he came back in, 
what was it, February? And he he was helpful until he got injured, but it's going to be the when, the re resurgence. The thing is, when they're already strained for salary cap, and now they'll probably be able to sign him again for maybe a mid level. So a team that doesn't have flexibility that can sign someone that talented on a mid level is a way better alternative than I mean I don't know who I don't want to say a specific name but I think it actually will be a a positive for them. Boy, if he can stay healthy next season, though, right? I mean if if this injury is a sign of things to come, do you want mid-level money tied up with him? And do you want to be planning for this return every season where he where you might end up with a gap in your lineup? What do you think? Yeah, so I would I would say yes. I would rather spend middle level money on the potential of someone of his talent versus what else is going to be available. And if if he if he keeps getting hurt, then it's just it's it's bad luck. But the uh, as our friend Michael would say, the ceiling is the roof with Boogie. So <laughs> he's he has more potential than anyone else they're going to sign at that position. Uh, he does, but doesn't part of you wonder how well he's how well he's equipped to handle that kind of frustration and that those kind of setbacks? He's a volatile guy. He's he's been known as a bad locker room guy. That hasn't surfaced this year, but I would be concerned that parts of his personality that could be detrimental to team culture could be triggered by this cycle of injuries. No. No, All I don't. Right. I would. <laughs> I don't know, Ian. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be given the in in the Golden State culture. I think that is probably kept in check a little bit, also because he's trying to come back. Um, you know, he recognizes that his role is going to be a little bit different. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. It could, you know, uh, the way a guy has handled frustrating circumstances, you know, in the past is probably a good indicator of what he might do in the future. But um, the way he's handled things this year so far has been really positive, I yeah. think. Yeah. So, so maybe it'd be more of the same from that it's standpoint. Funny that, sorry. Two years ago, Golden State's culture seemed like ironclad, and now it's pretty leaky. You know, it seemed like they had nothing but six years of smooth sailing in front of them, and then it's just been drama upon drama. And yeah. they're going to break up soon, and and who knows where that could end. Uh, as long yeah. as they keep Clay and Steph, they'll they'll be you know, at or near the top. But it's they're, I mean, yeah. I'd be way more concerned right now than I would have been before seeing all that's going on. Yeah, and that's, you know, I mean, I think the the drama could die down once KD leaves, you know. I mean, Draymond yeah. is a uh, obviously somewhat of a polarizing figure, but it seems like that was a positive drama. Like it was kind of a, uh, the, the good outweighs the bad, but... With the KD, Draymond stuff, and, you know, it just seems like it hit a tipping point this year. Well, and I, I remember Kerr saying one time that it's just part of the, the life of the NBA. Because 
even as a player, he saw this stuff too. And I think um, when you're referring to drama, so they're they're covered by way more media um, on a, a quite a bigger microscope. So things get magnified. But he was talking about how every single team goes through this stuff. It's just sometimes it gets out and sometimes it doesn't. It's not. It's not unordinary what's going on. I think that's you know what I mean. That's that's true to a degree, but I think it's it's very uh, well relatively unusual to have arguably the best player in the league on the best team in the league coming off finals MVPs that just doesn't want to be there anymore, you know, or just seems kind of lost. So it's, yeah. So that yeah, but that's it, unusual. But th- doesn't that well to me that strikes me not so much as a team issue as more of a his personal issue like he's either has business interests that he would rather mm-hmm. pursue or he just wasn't fulfilled with championships so he's trying to weigh his options i don't that doesn't necessarily mean that the entire team is just um, a ticking time bomb if if they win here's my prediction if they win this year and then KD leaves. I think KD's whole career will ultimately end up being he'll look back on his time in Golden State as the best time. That's my that's my it's, guess. Now I could be wrong. The golden years. Maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the golden gals. Wait, what's your prediction of where he'll go? Uh I mean, I think New York just because it's it's see it all seems similar to LeBron like LeBron going to LA was talked about for a year before it happened and it was all but a done deal and it seems like it's the exact same playbook with Kevin Durant and Durant seems to be following LeBron's script it's like hey I, we've got the shop hey we've got the boardroom <laughs> but uh Katie already had a movie before LeBron so he's ahead of him on that script that's true well, LeBron's streaming now on Netflix, Thunderstruck. Le- Check it LeBron's out. LeBron's still trying to find <laughs> doubles really? for that. Yeah, it's called Thunderstruck on Netflix. Check it out if you have a subscript. <laughs> it's kind of like, isn't it? I mean, there's kind of a Monstarian uh, effect in it, too, where I think a kid gets KD's skills, and so KD isn't good anymore, which is very much like the Monstars uh, in Space Jam. Yeah, it's not I on don't Netflix know if it was anymore. If it was, mm-hmm. oh wow, they took it down, huh? Yep. Thunderstruck, dude. I I'm wonder if it was made by Disney, maybe, and they, because they pulled all their stuff. They off did, the yeah, for their new streaming service. Yeah, if it was Disney, yeah. it's probably gone. Okay, so if you had to pick who the most unlikely team, the team that people don't expect to win the first round, who, which is the team that's most likely to to pull that off in the first round matchups? Swamp Dragons. They might. I would go with the Spurs. I think Spurs yeah. is a good pick. That's that's my that's my. I actually I picked the Nuggets to beat them, but my I don't. I think Orlando. That's not real. Even though that was a really nice victory. Um, same with Brooklyn. I don't know how real that is, but I thought just because we know who Pop is and his coaching ability to exploit weaknesses of teams and things. Yeah, that's a big upset though. Uh, a seven over a two seed. Uh, but but is it? Yeah, you know, I that's. I would I mean, guess that most <laughs> analysts have the Spurs in that. I think when we filled out our brackets, all three of us have the Spurs. 
So they were a few games apart, and, and seven and two seeds can be really lopsided, more like they are in the East. But any time you, you you have a five-time you know winner playing a team that's never won it, it's it's a little different, don't you think? Yeah, and they they um, basically have two all stars on their team, and Denver has no experience. Yeah. This team has never been in the playoffs before. Yeah, the experience seems like a big deal. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't even consider it an upset, really. Mm. Keegan and Caleb, do you have a different pick? Keegan, are you sticking with Swamp Dragons, a.k.a. the Brooklyn Nets? Uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with the Nets. Didn't they beat someone? They did. Sixers? They did. It's it's 1-1 one, one now, at least as of this recording. It's, yeah. Go Nets. Yeah, I would I would say Nets are ma- magic. You know, those are the, the those are both clear choices. You think those are the real would be the real upsets? I think those would be really surprising. It's yeah. You who's magic up against? The implication of the Nets upsetting the Sixers is just mm-hmm. think about how they doubled down on this year, like going for it this year with yeah. signing. Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris giving away their draft picks. Um, basically committing, I mean, they haven't actually done it yet, but committing all this salary cap to this team. Yeah. And same for Toronto. You know, they're they're playing for the hope of hanging on to Kawhi. If they lose this series, he is gone, you know. So there's a ton at stake in those series. So not just in terms of the quality of the teams involved it'd be an upset but it would be pretty devastating for both of them the poetic justice of DeMar DeRozan uh, (laughs) going to the Western Conference Finals and the Raptors are bounced (laughs) in the first round I mean if the Raptors got bounced like you're saying wouldn't would you think their fans would just give up I mean Uh, it'd be hard not to just seeing it time and again just they would probably start to feel like, okay, we're just cursed. This is just our our fate in the playoffs. Yeah, it's just it's it's hard to win up north like that, and in Canada especially. I pull for him, you know. It's it's a really uphill battle. It's yeah. You're talking about the Toronto. Yeah, I, I, the Toronto I picked Spurs. them to go to the finals. So you guys are sleeping Part on the me. Celtics. <laughs> I'm telling you. Is that Nick? Who did you have in the finals? Milwaukee. Oh, okay, so Ian's the only one that took the Celtics. Okay. Interview. All right, we're here with Dave Ferguson. Dave, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks for having yeah. me, guys. I love that you do this. It makes me really happy. <laughs> I think um, I think Ian's going to be the one that's asking you the questions. We'll probably all yeah. chime in. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, yeah. You, you've talked to me before, so you know that I'm not good at that kind of stuff. Yeah, man, I prefer <laughs> when you're in the background. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I prefer it too, but for some reason I got roped into this. Uh, Dave, we have heard that you've had a exciting career in the, the Hollywood biz, as someone call, would call it. Um, even a cameo on The Office. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, how that happened and what you do in general? Yeah, it's funny because I'll tell you one thing. If you guys want to make it in Hollywood, the secret is to get one 
30-second appearance on a major network sitcom and then call it quits. <laughs> <laughs> because everything else you're going to do, you're going to either work harder to get and then people won't see it. So what's the point? <laughs> or you're really going to love it, but then people will have feedback on it and you're going to take it personally. But the office appearance was the greatest thing ever. It was just like an audition and I played a DJ that tells Ed Helms's character um, uh, at an empty like uh, roller rink uh, that he can play whatever he wants. Uh, and so he requests uh, deep track Dave Matthews band and I hit play on Ants Marching. And <laughs> <laughs> it's still my greatest comedic moment. But yeah, and then I've done a bunch of, uh, yeah, like sketch comedy and late night. Uh, worked on a show with Sarah Silverman this past year called I Love You America and had a sketch group called The Birthday Boys um, that we still work with a lot and worked for a long time on Comedy Bang Bang. But, uh, you know, my real passion is basketball for, for forever, for life. The <laughs> <laughs> real passion is sort of these, uh, these deep internet uh, NBA-based podcast shows. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Any podcast that has the guests uh, of the likes of the guy that did the voice for NBA Jam is kind of my sweet spot. (laughs) Well, I also don't want to undersell Dave either. I mean, he had two seasons of a show called The Birthday Boys on IFC that he wrote and starred in. And he also is, well, you're the head writer on I Love You America. Yeah, yeah. It was a blast. So, Dave, we want to take it back from, you know, kind of the beginning before this, you know, illustrious career began where did you grow up and how did you get interested in basketball uh i grew up in uh dayton ohio which is actually kind of an answer to both questions dayton ohio is a mid-sized midwestern city that people drive through on their way to (laughs) indianapolis um (laughs) but it's a it's a really great basketball town because there's a, a college there the university of dayton that my parents both actually worked at growing up. Uh, and they're the home of the Dayton Flyers, which to the average basketball fan, NBA or otherwise, is kind of like, a, oh, yeah, I think I've heard of them. I think they were uh, around in a couple consecutive tournaments or stuff. But in, in that town, it's a really big deal. They actually host the first four um, of March Madness, the, the play-in games every year. And it's just a city that is like perfectly sized to care about a mid-level college basketball team. And you you have kind of a um, a different take on the NBA than maybe some of us do because I think you're more of a college basketball guy. Is that right? Yeah, I'm one of those annoying college defenders uh, who knows he's wrong but like goes down swinging. <laughs> um, well, well, no, I want, I actually wanted to ask you about this because I think from my perspective, now correct me if I'm wrong, in the '90s college basketball would have been easier to follow because you have more consistency Mm -hmm. you know with teams but now with kind of the one and done thing i think some people find it harder to follow because they're just recycling players so quickly um it's it's harder to kind of track with who who are the key players on a team that you know over a course of years well i mean how would you respond to that though I'd, i'd be interested in your perspective I think you kind of, uh, you illuminated it, even though we would have said it two different ways, I think you made my point exactly. So you've, you've focused on the players, right? Tracking players. And my basketball fandom is so player blind, it's embarrassing. Mm. Uh, it's like, it's very narrative. 
uh, it's probably why I like I'm in uh, into script writing and stuff is like I fixate on like stories so much and teams and legacies and so you know it's funny my my NBA fandom was really tied to the Bulls in the 90s which was about as awesome of a superstar team as you could have but I think what I loved about it was like this hunt for a four-peat more mm. than Scotty Pippen, Horace Grant, you know, whatever. Uh, obviously, Jordan is like, you know, just like LeBron James or take your pick is just such a juggernaut that, of course, any preteen kid is going to get dialed in there. And I was very aware of it. And that's who I mimicked in the backyard. But as far as like my day to day fandom, I'm such a sucker for underdogs and uh, playing for the name on the front of the jersey kind of stuff that is so cliche. <laughs> so right but it is like what i get hooked into and i think that makes it hard to be a loyal nba fan gotcha so who do you who do you track with now is it the same both for college and nba as it was for you as a kid or different different teams um it's definitely the same in the college game um i still follow the flyers it's embarrassing like i'll arrange my cable subscription so i can get all their little market games and yeah where does where does one find uh games for the flyers it's it's actually pretty easy now it, it, to your point um uh, you know you shopping for an nba fan um i do mlb tv for baseball and i find that mm. like a godsend as a fan but in the college game um the atlantic 10 the conference that ud's in is broadcast on nbc sports network and cbs sports network so i actually was able to watch every game this year without too much effort but that's only a development of the last four years um okay. where these like mid-major conferences have tv deals you said you're really into narrative is there any current nba narrative that is very compelling for you there is um and again it has a personal type but i love ante Decumpo, man the greek freak mm -hmm. uh his life story um it's funny because i'm the only human being who was introduced to his brother um <laughs> so the greek freak too uh his, his younger <laughs> brother um played at ud for one season and um i remember the day he was recruited like the greek freak was already a thing and i just didn't really know that much about him yet um and i was all psyched because ud had just gotten this amazing athlete recruit and then i find out this story about their parents and everything you know selling t-shirts on the street or whatever it is sunglasses um, and I was like, oh, this is the greatest human interest story of all time. And to top it off, he's like the most exciting player in the NBA, you know. Um, so I love that. Um, I'm not too much of a Zion fan because you could see this coming since AAU. So it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm good for him. He's an amazing athlete. I just don't get as excited by the hype. So is are the Bucks your team then, like NBA-wise? Is that who you – it's probably for? yeah it's probably the closest thing uh i have um other than i enjoy watching the clippers uh proximity has been really helpful and i've had the chance to meet uh blake griffin a couple times so there was like this flash in the pan moment where i was like oh shit i know a guy <laughs> in an nba team <laughs> uh, but uh now that he's with detroit or whatever that almost has just become like well if if i had to pick a local market team guess which team i'm gonna pick the underdog story you know um uh, although it does feel like shifting sands we're all living on. But, um, yeah, I'd say <laughs> Clippers and Bucks. What, how, how, how long 
how long before the Lakers become the underdog? Like, is that, do you think that's a real, real possibility or no? No, no, it's impossible. Nor will the Yankees ever be the underdog. You know, it's like when a franchise, the Bulls ever be an underdog in my, in my lifetime. Obviously those things are cyclical, but I think like when a franchise has shown its ability to amass the fan base and the money base to at least put the type of players on the court that you expect to win year in, year out, um, then anything else is disappointment. And I, I think it's like the, I don't know if you guys have had this at all, maybe even in, in your player fandom, like I've always found it when I look at somebody who's like a Lakers fan that didn't grow up in LA or a Yankees fan that didn't grow up in New York, can't quite relate to it because I don't see the upside. If they don't win a world championship, you're upset. So, so you, you know, you, again, this maybe shows my difference in fandom. You guys maybe latch on to individual players and you love watching their rise and watching them come, come into their own. But me as like a team fan, I'm like, I just want to see if they make the tournament. You know, I want to see if like they surprise some people. Um, and it makes it both super frustrating, but exciting. What were the storylines you were rooting for this past March Madness? Um, well, for one, I really wanted the Dayton Flyers to get into the dang thing. <laughs> uh, they had, they just went through a coaching change, so they're struggling a little bit. But they were coming off of like five years consecutive of making the tournament, which is a big deal in, in, in our world. Um, but uh, my wife is from Minnesota, and I've become a Minnesota Gophers fan. By, uh, by proxy. Uh, so I was pulling for them, and they pulled out a, a first-round win that was pretty exciting. Um, and then uh, I can sometimes get excited. I mean, any, any would-be Cinderella is exciting, so this was actually a very disappointing year because the mm. first round kind of went chalk. Um, but when we got into those later rounds and, you know, you saw, like, a Texas Tech kind of hanging around, that was exciting for me. Even though I don't care at all about Texas Tech, it's so easy for me to pull for them against a Duke. Uh, I'm a cliche that way. Yeah. Do you have any Do you have any fixes to the NBA playoffs to make it a little more unpredictable? I mean, the the Clippers beat the Warriors the other night, so that's that's kind of the thing about March Madness is in one game anything can happen. It, you know, that's the fun of it. I think a shorter series is worth it. I think a five game format is always better than a seven game format until a final. I know it's hard because like the players' association is never going to love that. Coaches are never going to love that because they want to see chalk you know they want to see the more deserving team win and i get yeah. that just like replay i'm a, i'm not a huge instant replay thing it's all the same philosophy coming into play but um i just watched um um the columbus blue jackets uh pull a sweep against tampa bay in the in the nhl playoffs and i couldn't believe it i was like a sweep a four-game sweep this is like tampa bay is like one of the best uh, teams in NHL and it did make me it reminded me that like well the upside of a seven game format in the NBA is that if it does happen it's literally the coolest thing in sports so Dave I know you're a big Blake Griffin fan and it's a bummer that he's not playing right now um, and you love the underdog story I don't think Detroit's going to pull it out unfortunately but but Nick our, our good buddy Nick here is a diehard Detroit fan. Detroit basketball! What, what would you, what would you, how would you encourage uh, someone like Nick in the, the Detroit community these days when they're facing the Greek freak and your best player is on the bench? 
here's here's my thought and i think as a clippers fan you know the other night watching that victory one even if it's one out of four or one out of five games is so rewarding and so frustrating to uh, a powerhouse team that you have to focus on those moments like the year that UD made it to the Elite Eight, I knew they weren't going to like probably win a national championship. But getting past the Sweet 16 was an insane thing. And I feel like Detroit just making the playoffs is like so rewarding because the season is the majority of the year, right? You're watching these potentially meaningless regular season games. And your team was valid enough to get to that point. Now, the frustrating thing about that is that means that your best days are gone by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I also just think, like, any team with uh, with Blake on there, man, it's exciting, man. You're going to see some – if he plays, you're going to yeah. see some exciting uh, showtime. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good pitch. Um, I think <laughs> your gift for appreciating a good narrative is probably better than mine. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm still kind of disappointed I, uh, that they made the playoffs. I would have traded this first round for a one percent shot at, at Zion in the lottery. You know? Oh man, I couldn't disagree more. I know, I know, I can tell. Uh, <laughs> and you're probably right. You know, that's that's how you should approach the game. Uh, but there's just not much of a future in Detroit. Blake has been even better than they thought he'd be, and. But there's nothing left now that they've traded for him. You know, they've just mismanaged their assets for so long that I feel bad for him. I'm, I'm honestly, for his sake, hoping that they move him to some place where he can play meaningful basketball. I'm glad they're sitting him, too. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. This is all hearsay kind of stuff, but I, I got to imagine that he wasn't 1,000% psyched when that deal came through. Um, no, he must have been crushed. Yeah, but but everything I've heard now is that like silver lining and and uh, that he he's enjoying how how well he's received in the city and stuff. So, I, I I totally get it. My my mom grew up in Cleveland, so I grew up around a bunch of Browns fans, and uh, I I think there's two there's two things I've seen happen from that moment. One is you begin to love. Uh, the bad news bears you know you begin to love like the stinky Brooklyn Dodgers or you you know you you kind Mm -hmm. of uh, you you almost start to wear it as a badge where hey only I can dig on my team or the other is you kind of if you're an NBA fan I I always thought well maybe you fixate on that that incoming rookie that was underdrafted but is the next Jordan and he was just around too late or whatever um, not that I, I get what you're saying. Zion is not going to be a bust. I think he's like a good investment. Um, but I do think there's like players that'll come up, you know, 15, 20 picks down that uh, are pretty solid and uh, might surprise yeah. you. Yeah. So my the, the issue, well, a couple things. Uh, in Detroit, we already have one of those teams in the Lions, and they're they're devastating enough. We, we, we sort of get all of our <laughs> all of our angsty sort of everyone hates us but us out of the way there. And uh, and in in terms of the draft, you need a front office who can capitalize. So even when they get it right, they like they gave away Chris Middleton what two years ago, um, and then they pass on Donovan Mitchell. They pass on they just don't know what they're doing. 
So it's you know you have to have. <laughs> hey, I have a question for you. Do, do you are you a level of fan that you actually follow like the deal the development league stuff? Like, do you track like the Grand Rapids Drive? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, well, no, I mean, tr- I mean, I, I haven't just passed that building last time I was up there, like their their offices. But uh, I've actually not seen the drive play. But at this point, the G League is not a, it's not really a viable source for right. next generation talent. The way that uh, the NHL and MLB have sort of structured these farm systems, so really feed success at the pro level. So. I right, it's, even a, if I, it's a draft game, yeah. It, yeah, it is, and it's a place where teams experiment. It, this is where the Rockets learned to play the style they're playing now, is they basically took all these guys in their G League team and said, hey, what happens if we shoot 53s a game? You know, what happens if we... They basically did the whole money ball thing. That's awesome. I mean, and I felt bad for the players, though, because they want to show what they can do, and, the, and the, they're so irrelevant to the team's success. They're like, no, you're our lab rats. Totally, and and they're they're like all holding out hope to be the uh, the the last man on the bench, and in yeah. in the grand scheme of, I, I was really curious about that because, I think that is where college basketball probably does get in the way of the NBA. It's it's enough of a juggernaut, and it mm-hmm. holds uh, enough of a vice grip on players that uh, I could see how the development league is less exciting. But I bring it up because uh, as a Reds fan. Um, I the the Dayton Dragons were their um, uh, uh, single A team, so early early level. And I found mm-hmm. in their worst years, I really enjoyed going to Dragons games because they had Joey Votto, mm-hmm. they had Austin Kearns, oh, nice. Adam Dunn, and it was like one of those things where like even though some of those guys ended up landing on different teams, mm-hmm. it gave me a lot more faith in the franchise. But now that you've articulated so well how <laughs> how the NBA works, I'm kind of like, well, I guess we take a Zoloft. I don't. Know. <laughs> well, it could, you know, the 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 league's dream is that it replaces um, uh, the NCAA sort of strata in a number of ways. So it could it could become what you've just described, where it's it's where you go to see those guys before they 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 do play um, in the league, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it. I, I don't know if it'd be a good thing or not because I'm also a big college basketball fan. I'm I'm more of a college fan than an NBA fan. So anything that encroaches on the power of the college game, like like has already happened. I'm yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I. Um, you? Me too. I, I I'm the same way, and I I think like it's uh it's really complicated because. I think there's a human a human aspect to all these conversation and then there's a basketball aspect and then mm-hmm. 100% sure that the college game is better for fans than a than a than a good development league uh, for the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm positive. That doesn't mean that everybody wins and it doesn't mean that the NCAA doesn't take advantage of student athletes. Uh, I I think that's all fair critique. I just think that the path forward at the level of entrenched that our culture is in college basketball probably is better for fans if it's an evolution of college basketball than a uh, replacement by the NBA. I don't trust the NBA any more to, to be good to human beings than I do the NCAA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, what do you think about the – one of the things that the NCAA can come back with to deal with 
the growth of the G League is to decide to finally pay some of these players. You know, I grew up hearing stories about like Jalen Rose and Chris Webber having to borrow money for lunch while they're walking past stores with their jerseys being sold for a hundred dollars a piece. You know, in like 1991. Yeah, I and I think those stories are 100% true and real. Um, I um. I, I, my basic thought is like kind of a trust fund philosophy or um, mm-hmm. a, a stipend. I th- think there's a model in somewhere in there that at least takes that concern off off the table, um, where your transportation can be covered, your, your room and board is covered, your meals are covered, um, and uh, it would at least eliminate that kind of totally sympathetic reality. I don't personally buy as much into this idea that, um, uh, that the, that, that the average top tier D one student athlete is being shortchanged because, um, uh, you have to be literally Zion level to command the brand strength, um, that would really, really blow up in people's faces. It's just that there's so many boosters who have huge egos that inflate the value of, of athletes, you know? Yeah. And they're looking for kickbacks too. They're making investments in guys who are going to give them twice that back, or they're going to sign with an agent who's a connection. One of the issues would be kids coming from disadvantaged backgrounds. So they're in college getting stipends and their their mom can't keep the lights on, you know? Right. It seems there's always another layer of need that 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 is going to be unmet and maybe that's just inevitable I, it seems like you've got to find a way to fix that but yeah it's tricky yeah no i agree and i, I don't think there's any reason the N, the, the ncaa couldn't have its own um uh it basically like i said almost like a trust fund or like a mm-hmm. uh a human needs fund it's just complicated because if you think about yeah, title nine yeah. and you think about well, okay, let's have the NCAA be governed by the value that a player has from a marketing standpoint. Well, now what happens to the best female athlete on yeah. a D1 program? Yeah. Because if it's dictated by your value to Nike, mm-hmm. um, then we've, we've once again created a, a, an unfair playing field. And I, that, that's complicated well yeah and there's similar parallels like with what you're talking about with title nine and um the nba versus the WNBA. you know people will talk about like how come WNBA players don't make as much as nba players and it's like well when you get down into the economics it gets a little more complicated you know yeah, yeah that's, a, that's, that's an, an open, open market, market. Yeah. yeah well and then it gets even more complicated because there also is bias i mean you think about the women's uh, national soccer team um they had a huge uh, case recently um, where they mm-hmm. were making the point of like we get paid less than our male counterparts we are the better franchise from a marketing right. perspective absolutely so yeah and uh, it's it's funny how like um, something like uh, women's soccer and uh, you know I, I'm sure this is somewhat controversial but I'll just say say it it's it's interesting how like women's soccer seems to be a sport that both men and women rally around same with tennis, same with swimming. You know, I, there's some sports where it's like it doesn't matter if it's men or women. It's very but then watchable, there's yeah. definitely there's definitely like a fall off between like men's interest level in like a men's national basketball team versus a women's national basketball team. That um, is really interesting. I don't know if that yeah, what that could be what what weird hold up in our b- male brains is causing that. Yeah. Yeah, but 
but yeah, and, and I just know that anecdotally based on like what people talk about or what they watch or whatever, but like women's tennis, I feel like people are just as interested to see Serena as they are mm-hmm. Federer. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I just went to the uh, that Paribas Open in uh, Palm Springs, and um, Federer and Nadal were there, but I felt like it was palpable when uh, the Williams scissors were playing, like the difference in level of interest. It was mm. – you could just feel it. And, and, yeah, I don't know what that stems from. I, I – I'm probably guilty of it in some weird layered way too. And maybe that's just because we're talking about sports that are still emerging in our country. Although tennis is just its, its own ba- ball of wax, but, but soccer specifically, maybe it came into its own as an American interest at a time where we were a little more open-minded. So the, the tradition and the legacy that goes back, doesn't go back quite as far on solely male professional athletes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Some of some of it for me, just kind of my impulse on it, is that the game looks more similar. Yeah, so, like so. watching women play tennis and men play tennis, tennis it looks similar. Interesting. Versus like mm-hmm. men play basketball and women play basketball, there's there's a, a starker contrast in my opinion. That's really it's interesting. interesting. Yeah, and, it's so funny because I'm such a dolt on the tennis front that I wouldn't know if I saw it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yes. I mean, the same is true with swimming. The same is true with uh, track and field. You know, if you're watching women race in a 400-meter and then you watch men race in a 400-meter, you know, to me anyway, and I was a runner, to me it looks similar. I mean, obviously they're, one's going faster than the other, but what you're watching is a very similar thing take place, you know. That's really um, interesting. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, it's just different times, but, like, from an yeah. actual just – the pixels that are unfolding on your TV screen. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not actually absorbing the the time difference and going, oh man, they're going really slow. You know what I mean? It's you're watching a race. You know. Yeah. So yeah. Well, that's why I think like our future is in darts, man. We're gonna watch so much darts. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that's funny. Well, hey, Dave, we we want to uh, get back to the nba real quick just some final final thoughts and predictions um that was a great deep dive though into uh to the deeper layers of sports yeah sorry um, if i took you further than you wanted to go <laughs> dude i'll well, go as deep as you guys want so real quick just to wrap up give us some any of your uh, playoff predictions where, where do you think we're heading here with the the nba playoffs what's i think we're cruising to a golden state uh, championship yeah Cool. Well, it's been really fun talking to you, Dave, and meeting you. Likewise, guys. I like your takes. Yeah, thanks, thanks for man. coming on, Dave. This is uh, great. Thanks for having me. I hope there's something in there of, of, of any value. And I love all of you collectively. <laughs> <laughs> Later. Later. Is he off? Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We are going to hold on, hold on. Let me do the theme song. We'll play. We'll do the theme song, Jeff. It's time for basketball today. Basketball <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. We are going to give Caleb and Keegan some phrases or words that are potentially kind of basketball insider terms we're going to let keegan and caleb just rapid fire 
say what it is and explain it to us. Okay, and then we'll do a little review. All right, so I'm just going to read these off and you guys just rapid fire explain what they are in a few sentences, okay? Okay, Keegan, first one, Mori Ball. Mori Ball? Yep. That Okay, that is... Um... When you go on the show, uh, Maury talk show, and um, you—it's uh, when you're an athlete on the Maury show. It's called Maury Ball. Do they have to take a test? Maybe, or or it could be you—it's a—you're playing one-on-one with Maury. I like that. Okay, the Caleb, eye the eye test. That's just what the uh, eye test. That's what you get when you're getting your. Uh, Horace Grant eyewear going. You have to go get an eye test to make sure that uh, they fit properly. <laughs> you got the right prescription. All right, Keegan. Um, flagrant one. <laughs> uh, flagrant one is a new body cologne from. Uh, <laughs> that uh, uh, Chanel made for a basketball. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> Okay, uh, Caleb, slip screen. A what? Slip screen. A slip screen. That's like uh, it's like a piece of cloth that you, they wear under their shorts. Like uh, you know how uh, girls wear like a slip under their dress. It's like what the the b-ball players are wearing under their shorts for a better circulation. <laughs> sort of to inhibit the ch- chafing. Is that yeah. it? Yeah, that's the best I got. <laughs> okay, Keegan. Keegan, Sloan Conference. Sloan Conference. Oh, gosh. Um, like I'm not even... I'm blanking on this one. Sloan Conference. Um, that's a uh, anime conference for basketball <laughs> players that all have the first or last name Sloan. <laughs> Um, they get to go for free. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, loosely connected. Uh, Caleb, advanced analytics. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a disease. <laughs> it's a sort of... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're going to go with disease? It's just a disease. Okay. All right, Keegan, uh, true... Sh- <laughs> True shooting percentage. True shooting percentage is the um, percentage that the uh, player says is true, and we believe it's true. <laughs> uh, is it kind of a speak your own truth sort of thing? It's sort of, yeah, it's speak your own truth of your shooting percentage. <laughs> okay. Okay, uh, two-for-one possession situation. Uh Another disease. <laughs> Is it like a like a demonic possession? Is that what you're getting at? Or okay, uh, max contract. That is when you are. Um, if if I'm remembering correctly, a max contract is when you um, get to eat at Say by the Bells the Max. <laughs> After every game as your free concession. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, defensive three seconds. Defensive three seconds. That's when um, players are only allowed to play defense for three seconds, and then they have to leave the field. <laughs> the uh, offense is left to do what they will. Okay, super teams. Monstars. <laughs> okay. Or the dream team. Uh, this is a super team. Okay, well, last, last one. Here's the last one. Less Drew and Nick have any others that they want to throw out. But offensive goaltending. That's just when you say something offensive while you're goaltending. It's actually <laughs> pronounced offensive goaltending. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move to the NBA slogan championships with Keegan and Caleb. Yeah, anyway, let's do the NBA slogan championship. Keegan's going to do the East. East. And we'll see who's going to be representing the East based off of their slogan. So why don't you go ahead and read the first two slogans that are facing off. Uh, Hi, Drew. Thanks for letting me come in here and do this. I know how important it is to be here and have a spot on your show. Um, The first two (laughs) are uh, Fear the Deer versus Detroit Basketball. Um. I'm sorry, Nick. Detroit basketball is uh, just not a good slogan. I'm going to go with Fear the Deer. All right, so they move on to round, uh, round two. The slogan is Detroit right. basketball. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Tough. Um, okay, next two. Rise together and gold don't quit. Rise Together is sounds generic and it sounds like a bad movie uh, log line, so I'm going to go with Gold Don't Quit. Alright, sorry Ian, Gold Don't Quit's moving on. <laughs> Alright, next up we've got Phila Unite versus From the Grind Up. From the Grind Up sounds somewhat sexual to me. Uh, <laughs> It also sounds like it might be your corner uh, coffee shop. That's what uh, that's what gives you advanced analytics. That grind up. <laughs> advanced analytics happens from the grind up. I know those teams though because of our previous conversation. But just on just merely the phrases alone, I think Phila Unite is a better uh, slogan. And the next slogans we have. We the North versus Blue and White Unite. I'm going to have to go with We the North. Didn't think you'd see two Unites, huh? Yeah, I don't want two Unites in there. (laughs) And that leaves us for the, uh, what is the round two of playoffs called? Round two. Round two of the playoffs. We've got Fear the Deer versus Gold Don't Quit. Oh, I'm going Fear the Deer. Just funner, isn't it? (laughs) It's kind of catchy, huh? It's got the rhyming element, a bit of Dr. Seuss to it. Gold kind of does quit. You run out of it at some point. (laughs) We quit on gold a long time, didn't we? A long time ago, didn't we? We got off the, what's that called? The gold gold standard. Gold standard. All right, next we have, for round two playoffs, uh, Philly Unite versus We the North. I'm going to go with We the North. I don't know why. It's just better than Philly Phil United. Philly United is just not that uh, creative, huh? It's just very pretty straightforward. Yeah, huh? the Unite thing. Sort of like milk toast. The Unite thing is very, like, soccer y to me. 
uh, doesn't scream basketball. All right, so that leaves us for the championships of the East. What's this round called? Round three? Or uh, conference, conference finals. finals. Is what you were going <laughs> to say. I know. I have winning the conference finals. I have Fear of the Deer winning the conference All finals. All right, there you go, Nick. Fear of the Deer representing the East. All right. Keegan, you want to read these off, and Caleb, you're gonna pick. Uh, you're gonna pick the Western Conference. Keegan's gonna read you, them you, for can you. Can you just hold them up to the camera? Okay, yeah, let's do that. All right, so Caleb is gonna walk us through the Western Conference <laughs> NBA slogan <laughs> to see who will be representing. Really good job, too. The West. Okay, first, right, Caleb, first we've got round one. We have strength in numbers and playoffs our way. Uh, I'm gonna. So if you go by the acronym, you have SIN and PAL. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna say SIN wins every time. <laughs> All right. Next we have run as one and take note. Well, I'm a. Me as a. Musician, so I'm gonna go with run as one. <laughs> uh, next, we have Rip City and Thunder Up, and those aren't those aren't uh, slogans; those are just descriptions. And as far as descriptions go, uh, Thunder Up. Uh, next, we have Elevate and Go Spurs Go. I only know uh, which slogan belongs to one team, and that uh, slogan is Elevate, so I'll go with them. <laughs> All right, Caleb. <clears throat> so now you have Strength in Numbers versus Run as One. Uh, strength in Numbers versus Run as One. Uh, I'm going to stick with Sin. All right, next up you have Thunder Up. Versus Elevate. Uh, I went to a conference called Elevate once. I'm going to go with Elevate. And that leaves your conference final championships for the cup. <laughs> Sin versus Elevate. <laughs> for the cup, I'm going to go with strength and numbers. Thank you. Sin wins in the end. Well, Sin wins in the end. All right, so that means for the championship NBA slogan championship we have sin versus fear so that's strength in numbers versus fear the deer my my pick on the final would be in a um, in an un, in an unexpected twist <clears throat> I'll try that again my pick in the final in an unexpected twist one more time my pick in the final in an unexpected twist. Is fear the deer? Thank you. Uh, I agree with you. Fear the deer in a non-unexpected right. twist. So no tiebreaker needed. Fear the deer wins the NBA slogan championship. That would be the Milwaukee Bucks are your Larry O'Brien Trophy hoisters. FTD all the way for the cup. We're gonna go big this time. Nick, did you pick them to win it? I know you picked them to be in the finals. Uh, no, I picked them to lose to Golden State. All right. Yeah, who's, who's but I slogan? think they have a much better slogan. Whose slogan is sin? The Golden State Warriors. Oh, is it? Huh. Really? That's their. It's a, 
slogan? The one that really gets me, now granted if you see it spelled out, they, they capitalize the L.A., but the Clipper slogan is just playoffs our way. Hmm. It just is very uninspiring. Yeah, there's about four or five that that seem to really work, and the rest are kind of like obligatory nods to the trend, right? Well, we've got to have something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They just need to come up with something. Yeah, we, I like I like the I like the Jazz one. Take note, they're playing off their the Jazz name. Yeah, and Fear Who's the Rip Deer City? is good. We the North is good. Which one's the Spurs? <laughs> Yeah, I think it was uh, not. On, they, it wasn't on there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but easily the worst is Detroit, though, huh? That's just really. Well, it's very so on paper it looks bad, but Nick, you know that they're famous for that announcer yeah. saying. Detroit basketball. Yeah. So I guess I guess that's why they went with that one. Yeah, I'm sure it is. It seems like you could do a lot. Maybe with something else, but yeah. What would you do, Nick? I don't know. Probably something motor themed, something mm. sort of automotive. Like rev it up or something. Get your motor running. Get your. Well, I mean, it, the whole blue collar thing is big there too. The whole, the whole sort of lunch pail deal. I could see him doing something with that. Clock um, in, go to work. Clock. <laughs> That's it. No, because then it's not a break for the fans. <laughs> Yeah, Lunch know. pail our way. Lunch pail. There, there you go. <laughs> L- lunch is on us. Go, lunch pail, go. How about that? Perfect. Perfect. Uh, Drew, let's do. Uh, let's let's cut away to our next segment on Malone's mailbag. Hold on, let me do the theme song. All right, let's open up Carl Malone's mailbag. If you have questions, you can ask us at Lowering the Rim on Twitter. You can also hashtag LTR Podcast with your questions. So the first one comes from at That's What Jay Said. Do you think LeBron ever plays in the NBA with his son? Uh, and we'll have Caleb answer that one. Uh, play in the NBA like his son plays with him? In the NBA. Yeah, like they're both simultaneously in the NBA. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> Has that happened? Le- LeBron? How, how, how old f- is his LeBron's son? I guess I don't know how old his son is. Uh, I just looked it up. He's 14. It's happened in baseball, like with uh, the Griffies is, and I think a few other father-son. Uh, is LeBron's son really cool. good? Uh, well, I think the, the only one here who would know that is Ian, and he is AWOL. I don't know where he is. I think, so I'm guessing he, they, right now people view him as having the potential to possibly play in the NBA, but I don't, yeah, I have no idea how good he is, but it would be kind of a cool moment. That would be really cool. Yeah. Play with or play against your son and the professionals. Would they call him the prince? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Young King. I just can't wait to be Alright, our next question is at from at J Lange Bartles. Is it a bigger surprise if an Eastern Conference team wins this year or the Warriors don't make the finals? Hmm. The latter is the only way the former happens in 
his or her opinion. So, uh, Nick, what do you think? You said you had the Warriors and the Bucks in the finals. Yeah, that's a good question. So he's he's suggesting that the that a uh, that if Golden State makes it to the finals, there's no way they're losing. Basically, their only chance of, of losing is in the Western Conference on the way, which might be true. Yeah, I mean, they would both be pretty surprising. It would it would be kind of a premature end to the Warriors dynasty either way. Ian, bigger surprise, Warriors not making the finals or an Eastern Conference team winning it all? Mm, I would say an Eastern Conference team winning it all. The okay. bigger surprise. Do you think there's any East team that could beat them, though? Yeah, I think the Celtics can. And that was, just for the record, rise together. (laughs) (laughs) All right, our next question comes from at dpuzzle13. You can at dpuzzle13 at Twitter. That's at twitter.com. Twit. When having a dunk contest with your cool friends in your parents' driveway, would you prefer lowering the rim to 8 feet with a full-size basketball or lower it to 9 feet with a mini basketball? Mm. So us with the um, smaller hands can really have a go, have a grip. (laughs) So let's throw that over to Keegan. Oh yeah, it's a it's a budget question, isn't it? Do I want to, you know, if I it's lower, I get a little more hang time and get a little more creative, but the ball is a lot bigger, so I can't do as much with the ball. So now you famously have some experience doing this, playing um, baby hoops on about. Mm-hmm. I believe that was about an eight foot goal. Oh yeah, might have been lower than eight. <laughs> might have been seven and a half. I've also been on a five foot gold you know don't judge me um in this scenario i feel like i have decent sized hands so i would keep the goal lower and uh have a regular sized basketball i feel like that is to my advantage it's to my creative execution of the dunk shot and so I'm going to go with the goal is eight feet, and I have a full-size basketball. Uh, I can, I think I can. So do you're going to get more hang time. I'm going to get more hang time. I can kind of palm a basketball if it's got good grip and hasn't been worn. Yeah, I'm um, looking at you right now for the listeners. He's got some paws on him. <laughs> I'll say that. They used to call me the the cat. My paws. Nick, I think Nick's the tallest out of all of us, so nine foot would be the least. Yeah, Nick, how tall are you? You're about seven three, right? <laughs> yeah, we got a we got a regular bobon on our hands over there. Span like seven six, yes. Um, that's no, sitting. I, mean, I would. How tall are you, that? Nick? Well, that's he's seven six he's sitting, seven, right? Six, oh, but he had a horrific accident I'm, where he's I'm in a wheelchair. Okay, so your your actual six height three, is six huh? three. What's your shoe size? Maybe eleven. Okay, what shirt are you wearing right now? (laughs) Florida State fishing shirt. Beautiful. Yes. Gots to. Okay, our last question is from at kkeldon17. Best and worst uniform to wear as a jersey dress to prom. Nick. (laughs) Uh, Pardon? (laughs) 
Uh, read that one more time. Please. So, so the idea is, if you had to turn an NBA jersey into a dress that you had to wear to prom, which jersey right. would you pick? They do have jersey dresses. Which, yeah, oh, actually, well, actually, you can which actually one buy would be a the jersey dress? So it's not which one would you pick. I'm sorry. It's which jersey would be the best looking one, and which jersey would be the worst looking one. Well, yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't. I'm not sure I would know where to begin to answer that question <laughs> in terms of just. Well, I basic. Uh, I think it just comes down to which jersey do you like and which jersey do you not like. Also, you know, what sort of cut would you look for? Ankle, uh, you know, high knee. I like the Lakers jerseys, though. Honestly, that purple and gold, sort of the old script. Probably that. Okay. Which any jersey that you're like, man, that's a dress is not saving it. Nothing's saving that jersey. The Motor City jersey. Detroit basketball. Ooh, Judas. That's sort no. of slate black. <laughs> it's just such a disappointment. They could have done so many cool things. Yeah. So, yeah. Anytime you give me an opportunity to put that jersey down, I'm going to take it. So, anyway. For Carl Malone's mailbag, be sure to at lowering the rim on twitter or instagram with your questions and you can hashtag that ltr podcast and we will answer your questions carl malone's mailbag <laughs> the mailman is in <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of lowering the rim follow us on twitter and instagram at lowering the rim and feel free to email us your fan questions lowering the rim at gmail.com we'll see you next time